This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. You that are new today, welcome to the Church of the Harvest, to our healing and wellness service. I'm uh, Joe Rook. I'm the director of the healing and wellness service here. And um, you have come to the right place to hear and be healed today, and you will not leave the same way you came. Amen. Glory. Well, thank you. Lovely. All right. Well, I'd like to talk to you today about a few different things, all concerning healing, of course. But let's see. I want to talk to you about this morning. Your focus determines your destination. I want to give you an example. Does everybody, mostly everybody in here drives, right? All right. I just want to think about when you began to learn how to drive. And you've got all of these different things that are in front of you. And, you, you know, you're anxious to get moving, aren't you? So who's ever taking you driving is anxious too, but for a different reason, aren't they? <laughs> So they're sitting beside you, and you get in the car, and you get out, and you're on a stretch now. I want to think, I want you to think about where your eyes want it to look. Where do they want to look? They want to look right over the hood of the car, right? And what did that person have to tell you that you needed to look further down the road? What happened to you when you looked somewhere besides the direction you were heading? you got to get a bigger picture, don't you? Now, let me ask you, when the first time you went driving, did you know where you, wanted, where you were driving to? Did you have really a destination, or are you just excited to get in the car and go? you just excited to get in the car and have control of something and go on, right? So the destination really didn't matter. If you went around in the circle, you were fine because you were just driving, and it was fun to drive. But I want to tell you that your focus determines your destination. Your destination is a place that you're trying to arrive at. And how many know that we have a destination and we reset our destinations a lot of time? But for our purposes today, I want you to know that healing is a destination. And do you know that if you don't decide to go to your destination, that you will never you will never do anything to get there. You can wish and hope and you think, my day, that might be a good place to go, but until you decide to do something about it, you'll never arrive. Well, the same thing is, um, the same thing can be applied, the principles, let's say it this way, the principles of that can be applied to healing. Now, before we can even get to that point, we need to go through some basic things. So let's go to John 20. John 20 and 18. All right, let's see. I want to show you a couple of things and just set some foundations. And in this particular case, I'm going to read a few scriptures to you, and then we're just going to stop and go back and camp. So verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the, um, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, 
came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them. Now, if you know the part before, and I should set the stage, is that Jesus had already been crucified. He was in the grave, and he rose again. And so he is coming and appearing to his disciples after this point. And he says unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Who, um, let's see, whosoever, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them, then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace, or shalom, be unto you. Now, that peace, shalom, means nothing missing. Nothing missing at all. And then he said to Thomas, Reach hither, now this is Jesus talking to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither my hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now I want to show, I want to talk about a couple things in this scripture. What, what, first of all, Jesus told his disciples that the Father sent him, right? And in other scriptures it says that, I, that, that Jesus perfectly pleased the Father. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in him I'm well pleased. All right? So we can establish by that if God was very pleased with Jesus. He said he's well pleased. He's not a man that he should lie, right? He doesn't joke. He doesn't, well, not doesn't joke, let me say that. He doesn't, he, he doesn't joke about his word, let me say that. And, um, and so when we look at that, we see that Jesus perfectly pleased the Father. Now, what did Jesus do in his ministry? He went around teaching, preaching, and healing, right? So if Jesus healed, which he did, and he perfectly pleased the Father, then sickness and disease can't be from God, right? Because God would be, Jesus would be in opposition to God the Father if he healed somebody and sent that disease somewhere and God put sickness and disease on you to teach you something, right? Because if God put sickness and disease on to teach you something, then you should ask for more. Then you should use your faith, right, and get more. And when we hear somebody has got a, 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 a diagnosis from hell and they're not expected to live very longer, then we should rejoice 
because they got something from God. None of that's accurate, is it? No, absolutely not. But that's what we've been taught a lot of times. We've been taught that God put it on you to teach you something. Well, if that's true, why do we go to the doctor to try to get it off? Say, now, wonderful that we have doctors. Bless God. I thank you for them. Um, we go in faith, though. We go in faith believing God that he will work through those doctors to get us what we need and while we're believing God for total and complete restoration. You know, I'm here to tell you today, if God told you, if God told you in his word that all things are possible to him that believeth, guess what? All things are possible. Just because the doctor said you don't have much time doesn't mean that he has the final word. Whose report do you believe? Now, I want, to, I want you to see that having set that stage, I want you to see what Thomas said. Thomas, here, here's Jesus with the disciples. And Jesus has appeared to them after he's been risen again. He has got the marks in his hands. He's got the mark on his side. But Thomas is not there. And so he says, I'm not believing you guys. Now, he, like the other, had been with Jesus for years, observing the ministry. He'd heard what Jesus said. And yet he said, mm, no, even though I've known you for years, I don't believe you're telling me the truth. And he said, unless I see for myself the marks in the hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. What did he do? He made a choice, didn't he? See, everything that we face, we have a choice. You have a choice in everything. They sometimes tell you that you don't have a choice. You don't have the choice. You have to do that. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. And so Thomas said, I'm not going to believe. And so where healing is concerned, a lot of times we say, I don't have a choice. I have to do A, B, C, and D. Well, the truth is you do have a choice. And the truth is that the word of God, which is truth, will change the facts, which is the diagnosis that you've received. And I've told you this before, but one time I've heard of this lady that... Um, I apologize because I want you to give you a testimony. Um, um, she had this horrible diagnosis, and she had the x-rays and stuff in all her medical records, and, and uh, she took the x-rays, and as she's believing God for restoration, she took those x-rays and she put them in her Bible, and every time she'd walk by, she would speak to that disease. And not only was she healed, but those x-rays changed in the Bible to reflect that there was no sickness or disease in her body. So I think that's just a God thing above and beyond. Um, so anyway, so Thomas says, unless I can see. Now, when you look at that, Thomas made a statement. Unless I can see, I'm not going to believe. So here comes Jesus again. This time Thomas is with them in the setting. And he says to Thomas, here, stick your hand here. Put it here so that you can see the holes in my hand and the holes in... What was he answering to Thomas? Thomas made a statement. Unless he could see, he's not going to believe. But then Jesus goes on to say, blessed are those that have not seen and still believe. Now, think about it this way. He's talking to us today. Blessed, empowered to prosper is what that word means. And we can put it this way. 
you, if you choose to believe today, will receive what the Word of God says is yours. And he sent his Word, and he healed us, and he delivered us from all destruction. So um, I think it's interesting because your words matter. Your decisions matter. And so in looking at that, let's look at another scripture. Um, let's see, where do I want to go here? Let's go to Acts 10.38. And we'll quit setting the stage and start getting into where we want to go. Acts 10 and 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good in healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus went around teaching, preaching, and healing. So look at here. He's calling sickness and disease oppression from the devil. He's not calling it from him, oppression from the devil. You have to know where your enemy, you have to know your enemy. You have to know sickness and disease is not of God no matter what. He didn't give it to teach you anything. He didn't put it on you for any reason. He's not trying to punish you for any reason. He's a good God. He said there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free. Not going to make me free, but made me free from the law of sin and death. So you have already been redeemed. And if you come from the position that you already know that you have been set free, you're just trying to get your body to line up with the Word of God says. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed, and the enemy has fooled us into thinking that sickness and disease belongs to us and we have to endure, or we have to get over it, or we have to live the left, rest of our life taking medicine. No, that is not God's way. You do not have to do that. Now, you can do that if you choose to do that, or you can believe the truth, and the truth is always higher than fact. The fact of the matter is you may have been diagnosed. The truth of the matter is God sent his word and he healed you. All right, so let's talk about some things here. Let's go to... John, well, 1 John 3, 8. Let's look at that one yet, too. 1 John 3 and 8. Don't you love the Word of God? It starts opening your eyes to possibilities that you never think possible. All things are possible to him that believes. All things. All things except what? What's the exception? I don't know of an exception, do you? It says all things doesn't say all things except, does it? It says all things are possible to him that believe. So if you can see it in God's word, so I should say it this way, you know, we're looking at the word of God. If you can see it in the word of God, you can have it. God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't like you better than he likes me. He doesn't like me better than he likes you. He likes us all equal. There's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for you, he'll do for me. So all you got to do is find it somewhere in the scripture where he has uh, already paid for it, promised it, or done it, and he'll do it if you can believe, all right? So he said 3, 8, 1 John 3 and 8 says, He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He's come to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness and disease is included in those things. So I want to talk to you about 
the, like I said, your focus determines your destination. Now, in this, I want to, there's, I think I have five points that I want to cover. And the first one is this, is determine your destination. You must see this as your destination before you can set your course. You have to see healing. You have to see yourself being healed. Being You've got to tune out all of those other things. Find the scripture that promised you. Psalms 107.20, sent his word and healed me, delivered me from all destruction. Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my disease. You find the scripture. You know, what I typically do is I'll ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have in mind? What, what fits this? What scripture can I use? And when you hear that still small voice speaking to you of what you can use, you hang on to that. And years later, you can grab that scripture and there's some life in there that may not mean the same as some other scriptures because Holy Spirit gave it to you. So when you have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in operation for you, um, then you have another level of assurance that you're going towards your journey in the right manner. So you determine your destination. Look at Habakkuk 2.2. 2. Uh, let's see. Let's read that because that's important. People don't think nowadays there's anything important about writing things down. But the word of God says different on this. Let me find Habakkuk. All right. He said, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and lie not. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. So listen, write the vision and make it plain upon the tables so that he that reads it may run. Let's see, he that uh, may run and that readeth it. Okay, so writing down, what do you want? You know, just... Perhaps you've been given a rotten diagnosis, you know. Let's, let's take diabetes because we have talked about this many times. And let's just say that they have told you you have diabetes and now you have to do insulin shots and you've got to modify this and you have to do that. And, all right. So there's a path you have to walk right now in the natural to satisfy the needs of the body. But there is a destination that you want to be and that is to see healing manifested in your body, meaning that your insulin, your, your pancreas secretes the proper amount of insulin for life and health, and that your body responds accordingly, and that everything is in operation and you're not required to have insulin shots anymore, and everything in your body will regulate. So you're healed whole. You want to be whole with the um, absence of any sickness or disease in your body. So that's your destination, right? So you decide your destination, you, if you aim at nothing, guess what you get? Nothing. nothing. So if you're wishing and hoping it's going to come to pass, guess what? You can wish and hope all the rest of your life and nothing's going to happen because you've not set your course. Double-minded. James talks about double-minded people. All right? He says they're unstable in all their ways. And you know what he says about that? Let not that man think he shall receive anything from God. So what does it mean to be double-minded where healing's concerned? So, uh, say my friend, I go to my friend and we're talking to my friend. She says, how you doing? I said, well, praise the Lord. I'm healed. Everything's good, you know. Just agree with me. Somebody's already prayed for me. Just agree with me. Everything's good. And then I go to another friend and she said, well, how are you really 
doing. I said, oh, you just don't understand how bad it is. What have I just negated all my faith, haven't I? You know, and if we're begging God to do something God's already done, we, our faith level is very low. And, you know, Scripture says if you faint in the day at adversity, your strength is, is small, isn't it? You know, your faith is low. So what's the answer to that? You just build up. You build up. You build up. You go to healing uh, services. You, you get the healing tapes going on in your mind. You know, have you ever been to the point where I just don't want to listen to another one of these? Do you know what? And it's at that point when you listen to another one that something begins to happen. I heard somebody say this one time, you're not even full until you're to the point that you don't even want to listen to another one. Then you start to be full. Now, remember what he said about um, blessings being uh, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, running over. So I want to get to the concept of running over. You can't be running over until you're full. Now, if I, if, if, um, if I had control of everybody in this room and I said, today I'm going to allow you to have whatever you had for breakfast is all you're going to get to eat for the rest of the week, how many of us would be happy? Not so much. We might make it till the next two. We might, we might even be really good and say, I need to fast anyway. This is good. And you get to day two, and you get to day three, and then all of a sudden, all the attention comes away from that, and it goes on, well, I'm hungry, I need something. Everything changes, everything changes. Well, if you don't feed your spirit, what do you think happens? Your spirit can't live on a 30-minute sermon every Sunday. It can't live on two 30-minute sermons. It can't even live on three. If you're fighting sickness and disease works 24-7, 24-7. And if you've been given a horrible diagnosis, guess what? It already has a head start. Now, I want to encourage you because God is more powerful than any diagnosis. What God has said he will do for those who believe and receive what he said and operate in that. So we're talking about the destinations. Indecision, lack of action, um, frustration, failure, that's what produces, produces double-mindedness and nothing from God. So when you're double-minded, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope I'm healed, as opposed to feeding the word in you and feeding the word in you and feeding. And, and just there is a knowing that comes when you've fed the word in, there is a knowing that comes that you know, that you know, that you know that you are healed and there is nothing that's going to take that from you. Now, maybe your body hasn't changed. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've either prayed for people or people have prayed for me and nothing changed in my body. There was one time I could not raise my arm higher than this. And uh, I, I don't know why, but it was, it was miserable. I couldn't turn over in bed without excruciating pain. And I just got to the point I'd had enough. I, I, I was full of the word, and I'd had enough. And I went to my pastor that day, and I said, I just want you to pray for me and agree with me because the line is being drawn today. And I'll tell you what, I'm done with this. I am not putting up Jesus bought and paid for it. And I, so I gave him a little mini sermon before I even, he even got to pray for me, you know. And I'll tell you what, he prayed for me, and I turned around I was in pain. There was no physical difference from prayer. 
but it was done in the spirit. I knew that I knew that I knew I was not going back, and that's all it was to it. And no matter what my body told me, I refused to give it any attention. No, you're going to line up. No, pain, you are not of me. Get off my body. If you have to say it once or if you have to say it 100,000 times, it doesn't make any difference. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. Now, I went like that for, I don't know, another week, maybe two. I don't, because I don't remember. I remember one night I turned around in bed and I remember thinking, I don't have any pain. I don't have any pain. And my arm had gone up and I just, I'm thinking, oh yeah, I don't know when that manifestation hit. I just knew that decision took care of everything for me. And that's how we have to be. And if you have a destination to receive your healing, all right, you receive it. Your destination is actually to see what you receive come to pass. You have that. You can't be double-minded. You can't listen you know, listen, the other thing, I have seen many a person go under by the company they keep. And I've seen some that never got out in all their years because of the influence. And they would tell me, well, that's my family. And I'll tell you what, you love your family, but you cleave to God. Now listen, there's things we do for our family and family members that we just have to because we have to. But if you're in a life and death situation, separate yourself. I don't care what you need to do, separate yourself because it's not their life that's being affected. It's your life. And if you're allowing them to speak into you and they're speaking anti-God stuff, you're in error. Stop. Protect your ears. Protect your eyes. Protect what you say. It's important. And if nothing else, I used to work at this job. It's been years ago. And um, they knew a little bit about me um, in some of the things, and they would tell these jokes. And I, whatever my response is, I don't know, but they got to the point is, you don't want to hear this one. Say, okay, here I go. Or they would move. They would say, come on, we can't tell it in front of her. Listen, people will honor where you sit. You don't have to be ugly. You can be mean. You can be in love. You should be in love but you can set your standards. I am working, a creffle dollar says it this way, I'm working on something. Excuse me, I'm working on something. Protect yourself, protect your healing. You're going to a destination. Think about it this way. You're in your car and you're driving, you have a destination, and you're at a stop sign, and somebody wants to get in your car and take out all your belongings and then kick you out of the car. That's what sickness and disease does. It comes in, it sits down, we don't do anything about it. So pretty soon it's real quiet in the, in the passenger side, and before you know it, it's eating all your candy, it's eating all your goods, and then it's taking you, it's kicking you out of there, and it's driving your car away, it's taking all your possessions. That's what it's doing with your earth suit. It's inhabiting it, and we've not done what we need to do, we've never evicted it, so it stays there. Oh, I can live with this. Can you? You know, do you want non-God things in a God temple? I just wonder what would happen if we got so radical with the things of God that we allowed no God things, no God things to inhabit this temple. You know, it says, though our, our uh, outward man perish, our inward man is renewed day by day, but it says it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken 
it will make alive my moral body by his spirit. Does the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you? So he's no respecter of persons, is he? It'll make alive your mortal body. Okay, so double-minded it produces uh, nothing from God. Um, so you're de de determining your destination. You have to make a quality decision. We talk about this often. Quality decision is one that which there is no more argument. This is the way it's going to be. This is where I'm going. And you know what? There's no retreat. No more argument, no more. You, know, you think of your son or daughter when they come up to you and they want to do something, you know that you're not going to let them do. You know it's harmful. You see around the corner already, you know, and you tell them, no, not going to do it, no. And you've made up your mind, no. And the child comes back, oh, mama, can I? No, I told you no. Mama, can I? No, I told you no. And finally you say, if you ask me one more time, Guess what's going to happen? You are not only not doing this, but this is also what's going to happen to you. That's a quality decision. You're not budging. You're not getting off of it. This is what it is. This is what it's going to be. And guess what? Everything else lines up to get in line. Pretty soon that resistance stops, and you have the result of that. So number two is decide the route. Isn't it interesting that Thomas said... I will not believe until I see nail holes in his hands, in his side. He decided something. I find it very interesting that Jesus even answered that unbelief. But he made a decision. But let's look at in terms of let's look at in terms of healing. Let's go to, let's see, Matthew 8, 17. Let's look at that. I might do it differently. Hang on one second. Let me, let me go somewhere else real quick. I think, let's go to Mark. Um, let's go to Mark 5. We'll get to it one time here. He said, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at, his, at Jesus' feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Watch the next words. And Jesus went with him. Now, who determined how the woman was going to be, how the daughter was going to be healed. Jesus or Jairus? Jairus. By what? What he said. He made a decision. He went to the master and said, Jesus, now listen, we, we look at these stories sometimes. We look at, no, it's not a story, it's an account. We look at these things that have happened and we forget what's happening during the time. Jesus is most likely ministering. He has a crowd of people there already. We can see this in the, in the, next, um, in the next verses that there was a crowd of people. And here comes Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, who is the one that had the power to stone the woman that's coming up next in the scriptures, right? Who was persecuting Jesus at the time? The rulers of the synagogue, right? So here comes a ruler of the synagogue. Now, as the CEO of his little corporation there, and all the other corporations around about are against 
right? So he has taken his whole livelihood in his hands by coming to Jesus and asking Jesus for anything, isn't he? Number one. That means people had been kicked out of the synagogues at that time. Didn't matter what, what hierarchy you were in, they were kicked out if they acknowledged Jesus. So here he comes. Now Jesus is ministering to a crowd of people. And so he stopped everything that's going on. He said, Master, if my daughter, she's, she's going to die if you don't come lay your hands on her. But if you come lay your hands on her, she will live. He decided how, he was gonna get, how she was going to get healed. So Jesus went with him. I, that to me says that Jesus answers faith. That your faith, Jesus responds to your faith based on what he has already done. He, you know, at that time, he hadn't gone to the cross yet, has he? So, let's keep on reading here. And it says, much people followed him and thronged him. That means there was a big crowd of people. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had, but was nothing better but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said... If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole, restored to health, whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood had dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned in about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, the disciples looked at him and said, What are you talking about? You know, what's the matter with you? There's a whole crowd. Who didn't touch you? So... Who's being recorded as being healed? Not all those other people that touched him, was it? It was the woman with the issue of blood. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, which was a prayer shawl, if I could touch that, that I will be made whole. And it's the only count in the Bible where immediately they knew something had happened. And Jesus said, well, virtue went out of me. Who touched me? So by the Holy Spirit, he discerned who it was, and she came down, and she told everything. And the meanwhile, here's what happens. It's, well, let's read it. Verse 34, and he said unto her, Daughter, your faith has made thee whole. Whose faith? Right, has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of that plague. Now, the difference between whole and healing, whole and uh, being healed, Healing is the absence of disease. Wholeness is if that the disease never happened. Okay? So when she said she had spent all she had and with nothing better but rather grew worse, I would, uh, I would venture to say that if she's whole, then the money that she spent was returned as well. Amen. God is a good God. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of synagogues how certain which said, Your daughter's dead. Why are you even troubling the master anymore? What a report. Here, it's in your power. It is in your power. It was in Jairus' power at the moment to order that woman stone because she had no business being out in that crowd because she was considered unclean. And that, you know, I didn't know this up until uh, a while back here, that everybody that she touched had to go through like a seven-day cleansing process because she was unclean. It made them unclean. Isn't that amazing? So... Um, so he had, he had choices to make here. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, that the daughter was dead, 
he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. So we can see a couple things here. He said, be not afraid, no fear, no fear. You know, fear tries to creep in in unassuming ways. It sneaks in sometimes as a little doubt. Well, you know, you're different. You know, I don't know how God is going to find you to heal you. You know, you haven't been so good this week. As a matter of fact, if I'm really being honest, you had not been so good all year. What makes you think God's going to heal you? All of those things that he comes with are lies and deception because Jesus paid it all at the cross. God the Father put on anything and everything we have ever done in the past, have done in the present, or going to do in the future was put at the cross. God is not mad at us anymore. He sent Jesus so there would be a mediator between him and us that we could fellowship because he desired to fellowship. How would a father like that be out to get you? Well, people will say, well, you know, what about judgment? Well, God is righteous. There is judgment. There is judgment. But God says his children, he corrects. He loves them and he corrects. Our judgment happened at the cross. Now, we're going to be, we will be given account what we do in this lifetime. And there will be rewards for those that do what they're called to do. But you know what? It's interesting. I heard this the other day, and I thought it was just wonderful. It says the rewards we get in heaven are going to be based on not necessarily what we did, but what Jesus called us, what we've been called to do, the plan and the purpose that God has given us. And so you can do a bunch of good works. But if you haven't been hooked up with God, all of those good works don't amount to anything if they're not the direction that God has told you to be. You know, he said there's some things that they're not wrong, but they're not expedient for you. So would we not rather not have the things of God in operation? Would we rather not have the benefit of what God said belongs to us? So anyway, we look at this woman, and he said... To the rule of a synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And then they went on. So everything stopped again. Everything. Jesus went with Jairus to the house. And when he had come in, he said to them, verse 39, Why make ye this to do and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Don't you know you're going to be in position sometimes when others don't understand what you're doing? but yet you've heard from the master and you're going forth and you're getting what God said belongs to you. And all of that other, here's what he did. But when he had put them all out, that takes some courage, doesn't it? Sometimes it's easier just to walk out than put people out. You know, it's like, let me get away from here. I'm not doing this. And he taketh the father and mother damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. And she was the age of 12 years. Now listen to this. Jairus chose how the receiving was going to take place. He chose the destination, didn't he? How it was going to happen. 
The woman with the issue of blood chose, but it cost each of them to do that. That woman took her life in her own hands because she was not supposed to be out there, could have been stoned, and indeed ran across the very person that could have ordered the stoning. She let everything else go, and she heard something about Jesus, and she believed something about Jesus, and she set out for her destination. And she would not allow anything that came up. She chose a route, and she started her journey Now, if you have no actions, even if you choose, there's no results. Or let's say it this way, your action, lack of action towards that will produce results, but it won't be the results that you want. But if you have a destination, you can choose your route, you can talk about it, but if you never get out and start to do it, you will never arrive. So the next thing is start your journey. Wrong actions produce wrong results. When you're in the middle of trying to get your healing, tune out everything else. Tune off the TV, unless it has stuff pertaining to healing in it. Tune out those that don't agree with you. Get away from them for a season. Don't be ugly. Walk in love. Separate yourself. Get yourself up 30 minutes every morning early. Spend time with God to hear the the Spirit of the Lord because God has the answer. He's got every answer you will need. Sometimes it's not a big course correction. It's just a small course correction. Listen for what he has to say. Put the word in, put the word in, put the word in, and get the word out of your mouth and get the word out. Put things up in your house that tell you what you want. I have... uh, I have pictures of, for those that have gotten pictures of the healing team set up in a place in my house. And every time I happen to walk by those, I put my hands on them or I talk to them. And I thank God for, for healing them, for providing for them, for doing the things, for anointing them. You know, it's rare that I walk by and when my eyes lay on it, I don't bless them in some way. See, that's what those notes do. You see those notes. You take action. Yeah, I am healed. Well, my body hurts. What does your body have to do with anything? It is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's residing inside of you. The temple doesn't get to tell the Holy Spirit what to do. You tell it what to do so we can glorify God. You tell it to get in line. Your words produce things. Will they produce life or they produce death? Depends on how you're talking. For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. Oh, I just feel miserable today. I just don't know if I can do anything. I need to sit down. Well, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to get more miserable. Charles Capp says it this way. I told my people they could have what they say, but they keep saying what they have. Why do you call the dog if you want the cat? Call in that which you want. You know, I was amazed to learn about 25 or 30 years ago, you know, somebody held up a $1 bill and somebody held up a $100 bill. And they said, how, how many of you think there's more ones in circulation? Well, the majority of people uh, raised their hands. And how many, they said, how many you think more hundreds are in circulation? And, you know, part of the crowd did, but most of them didn't believe it. 
And he said, well, that's the problem. He said, you're going after the ones, then there's less in circulation. You ought to be going after the hundreds. I was like, okay, I'm for that. And so how do you talk? I, I can't afford that. Well, is that your confession? You want me to agree with you? See, we choose everything. Well, I choose not to spend my money on that. I choose not to spend my time on that. I choose to spend my time on the Word of God because the Word is life and it's health to all my body. So we choose each and every time what we're going to go after. We choose life. And when we choose it out of our mouth is what we speak. Well, how are you doing? Well, bless God, I'm healed. Well, I can see you're not. Well, keep looking. Everything's subject to change. The truth never changes. The circumstances, they change all the time. So you start your journey. You know what? Begin now. Make a decision to begin. I heard Jesse Duplantis preach one time, one more night among the frogs. Remember Pharaoh? And uh, Moses says, well, you know, when do you want the frogs to go? He said, tomorrow. I'm thinking... Hello, tomorrow. So Jesse did one more night among the frogs. So when I'm not making a decision about something, that means I am making a decision. I'm not going to decide till later. That's the decision I've made, or I'm not going to do anything till later. I think about one more night among the frogs. I say, I don't want one more night among the frogs. I'm doing it now. That'll help you if you have any procrastination issues. Do it now. Why would we want to stay in this state one more night? Make a decision now. Your journey can't start unless you begin. And, of course, wrong actions produce wrong results. And you have to use your confessions. We, we talked about that a lot. The next point, number four, is to stay focused. Have you, do you all know what a roundabout is? So as you're driving, instead of a four-way stop, you get on this roundabout, and then it has exits. Well, the first time I was on a roundabout, I thought that was the goofiest thing I've ever seen. You could go in a roundabout for hours, and you can get off. I've got off on the wrong spot because there's people behind you, and everything keeps flowing. At least with the stop sign, you've got to make a decision. You're going left, you're going right, you've got to move somewhere. You know, in the roundabout, you're moving, but heaven knows if you're going anywhere some days, you could be going round and round. Don't you feel like that sometimes? Where your healing's concerned, you think, oh, dear God. I'm just ready. It's time. I can't do this anymore. You're in the roundabout. That's all you're doing. You're going through the motions. You're doing all the stuff, but you're not hooked up with your faith. Your faith has a direction. Faith without works is dead. you got to move in the direction of your faith. Don't hurt, kindle, you know, your, uh, acquit your faith by going round and around, going through the motions. That's why if you're not hooked up to the source, it's easy to be round and round and round because you think you're doing something but you're not hooked up with your faith and so you're just in mental ascent. Makes it kind of tough to get something from God because it's impossible to please God without faith. You have to know this. Your enemy has a job and he knows something about you. That is a disgusting thought some days, isn't it? I wish he didn't know me so well. And he finds the best and the smallest, little tiniest things to trip me up some days. Now, some days he's not as good as it because I know his plots. 
In other days, I think, oh, 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 oh. Fear is like that. He doesn't come and say, I'm going to make you so afraid you're not going to be able to move. But what he does, he comes and he says, uh, you know that problem? You know the one that they say you could be healed, but the doctor says you don't have any choice. What happens? All of that just runs up here, and it keeps talking to you, it keeps talking to you, it keeps talking to you. And whose report do you believe? Remember, words are the only thing that overrides thoughts. Thoughts never override thoughts. And if he's come and tell you, you will never have enough, you're not going to make it. You know what they said. It's not going to be, all right, you know what happens when somebody gets so-and-so age. You know this. You know what's going to happen. No, you don't. What I know is God's word says all things are possible to him that believe. God says he sent his word and healed me. He delivered me from all destruction. He said I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath and whatever I set my hands to prospers. He said I've been redeemed from the curse. Redeemed. Jesus bought and paid for it. I'm redeemed. That means I am redeemed. He paid. I'm not paying. So when the enemy comes, you have to do something about it. Get them off. Stop them. How do you stop them? The word of God has been planted in your heart, out of your mouth, with a quality decision. No, you are not doing that. I refuse to fear. I'm not going to worry because Jesus said, don't worry. He said, cast all your care unto him for he cares for you. Now learn this uh, not very long ago, when you go to cast your care, don't leave until you get the answer. Don't just chuck it over there and say, thank you, I feel better now, bye-bye. When you go to Jesus and you give him, because he said, cast all your care, here it all is. Receive what he did for you at the cross. If you've got anxiety, receive peace. And then, now I heard this the other day and I thought it was really good. Stop. And wait a few minutes and say, Jesus, do you have anything you want to tell me? Isn't that a, I mean, how come I didn't hear that years ago? Said Jesus. Now, sometimes I don't hear something. But, you know, as I'm going, maybe when I'm waking up, maybe the next day, maybe two days later, I hear something that he said, by the way, do such and such. Oh, I don't want to do that. So what? Do it anyway. You know, he says, forgive. That's one of the big things about healing, that you can stop your healing by being in unforgiveness. And you know what? You can think you're just really good and you have no unforgiveness anywhere, and somebody comes across your path that is really something somebody did ticked you off. I've had this happen. It hadn't been that long ago. And what they did, they just kind of, I, I can't explain why it was, but I was just not happy with it. And I just kind of shoved it down in the little garbage can inside and didn't deal with it and so somebody would say something or another and I thought that would just rise back up again and then pretty soon it's like you know what I, I'm gonna deal with this and you know once and for all you deal with those things I choose I release forgiveness to that person father that's your child I, I don't know what to tell you but that's your child it's up to you you show me what I need to do and you know you quit trying to you quit trying to fix all that stuff and allow God to work in you and just fix what needs to be fixed. No, no healing is being hindered. You, you, don't, you don't block the flow of God. Okay, let's move on here. You have to take the word, talk the word, keep your eyes on the word. You have to refuse to be offended at anybody or anything. You know, 
Strife is one of those stealers. Strife steals. Strife steals a lot of stuff. You don't really think about it. But you ever walk into a room where somebody's just been at themselves all day and bickering and nothing, they can, they can say one little thing, you know, could you get me a cup of coffee? And blah, 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 blah. Nothing. I mean, there's just strife everywhere. How do you feel? I don't know. I go in those places and I think, I can't do this. You know, so I take authority, whatever. You can affect yourself, you know, and, uh, and you can affect the atmosphere where you're at by taking authority over things, releasing, and then how you respond in love, even when somebody else is not responding in love, you respond in love because he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And so when we respond in love in a situation where there's strife going on, what it does, it just kind of parts the darkness, and God is able to go in and pull down strongholds that that person doesn't know they have, that you don't know that they have or anybody else. He's able to do, go in and do a miraculous work that couldn't be done otherwise. Isn't that wonderful? Um, he comes, the enemy, comes to take the word from you, to make you become offended, to make you discouraged. Heaven by yourself, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. I'm, I'm, you know, that's the enemy telling you, I'm just worthless. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not. What am I going to do? Have you ever been there? Listen, not a fun place to be, but you are the one that gets you out of the pit. Don't let your friends drag you into the pit. The only reason I go down in the pit is to get somebody else out. But I have been in the pit with people who don't want to come out. They want to tell you for the 29th time what happened. They don't want an answer. They don't want to do anything about it. They want to rehearse the problem. I am not staying in the pit with you. I'll help you, but until you've had enough, when you're done, you want to climb out, let me know. I'll help you climb out. Don't go in the pit. It's not your home. It's not your place. You're called to be above. You know. And the simple thing is, is if you're in the pit, quit digging you get down there sometimes, oh, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out. What am I ever going to, this just looks so bad. Quit digging. Start, start putting the word of God. I know it doesn't look possible, but I'm not asking my body. I'm looking at the word of God. God says that I'm more than a conqueror. He who is in me is greater than he. This, you know, all you're doing is stepping out of the pit. And the, the Bible says, I love the scripture that says, though I fall, I shall arise. <laughs> how many times have we been there? We fall, but we shall arise. We never give up, cave in, and quit because we reap if we faint not. Right? Okay, the, the enemy also comes, besides trying to make you discouraged, he comes to try to get you to give up. To give up. Now remember, possession, uh, profession brings possession. And you can increase your faith. You increase, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You speaking the word of God increases your faith. Try it sometime. Just spend, you know. One day I was traveling and uh, I just, uh, well, let me not go there. Let's, let's keep on going. Part B of staying focused to have an action plan where you get off a track. Have an action plan. How many of you think you're going to go from point A to point B and the enemy's not going to interrupt anything? You're going, to, you're going to have an opportunity to give up and cave in and quit. 
Now, Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, uh, for sake of time, I'm not going to go back and read it, but I'm going to tell you what basically it says. It says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Actually, we need to go read it. Hebrews 10. Let's read the whole thing. Hebrews 10. Thirty-five, I guess. It says, "Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and not tarry. But the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition." but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So your, your faith has great, great, great recompense of reward. So when you have an action plan and you stay, you know, find a friend. Here's some things you can do for um, when, when, you, when you're tempted to get off course or... or there's a hiccup that comes or somebody, a bad report comes that you weren't expecting or even the one that you were expecting. You have to keep your focus as to where you're going. You have to keep your focus as your destination. Remember that you are the healed. You're not trying to get healed. You are healed. What we're looking, we're seeing the manifestation of that healing in our bodies. So we're not looking to our body to tell us this we're healed because the body is not the source of that. God's word is the source of that. Find a buddy, get a friend who thinks like you think and will tell you um, uh, when um, um, my husband was in the hospital and didn't look like he was going to make it out, I, had, um, I told my sister from the beginning, I said, I don't care what happens, I don't care when it happens, I said, but if there's an occasion to come that I am um, I'm wavering, I want you to tell me what I believe. Don't tell me anything else. Tell me what I believe. And that's the word of God because it's only the word of God that will get me out. And um, there was one time um, that looked really, really horrible. And for a moment in time, I got discouraged. And I called my sister up. And I had tears. And I said, will you tell me what I believe? She said, I'll tell you what we believe. We will believe. We believe. And he, she went on the scripture. She went through my house. She pulled Bibles out. She called me back and gave me some. It took me about two minutes, less than two minutes, actually, probably about two scriptures, to get from where I was starting to change my focus to I'm not getting what I believe for, to right back to get what I believe for. See, it happens when you least expect it. It happens when you're very tired a lot of times. And I was. I was exhausted. And so the enemy comes in, and just at that moment, you have a buddy who will cook up with you and not placate your feelings, but tell you the word of God. Get a buddy that you can call the middle of the day or the middle of the night and say, help me. And all that they will say is, I'll tell you what God said about this. I'll tell you, not what I think you ought to do, but I'll tell you what God said about this. God said that you're the head and not the tail. God said he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. He said all his promises are yes and amen. He said all things are possible to him that believe. You get a friend like that and you be a friend like that, 
you will get through some hard times with great peace and great victory. So don't allow mistakes to stop you. You know, you ever, you ever go on a diet? And about two days later, you're on the seafood diet. Whatever you see, you eat. <laughs> and then you get to the end, of, you, get, you, you do that, and then you, it's only like lunch. And you think, well, the heck with it. I blew it for the day. I might as well eat everything. And then you eat everything and then some. And then you go to the grocery store and actually get another candy bar because there wasn't any in the house because you were dieting. So you go out of your way to do everything. What happens after that? You are just full up to here. Your stomach is not is telling you awful things about because you ate everything. Your entire body has just turned on you and said, you rotten, miserable thing. You just pigged out. If anybody knew how much you eat, they would just be mortified. Blah, 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 blah. How can you be on a diet? How you are never going to succeed. In, anybody ever been there? So what happens? Some people, it's weeks before they come out of there and try again. But now they're going into the next phase, knowing that they failed in this phase, and they don't think that they have a prayer to last more than a couple of days. See, that is so wrong of a view. You're on the enemies, you're in the enemy's territory, in the sense realm, and he's telling you you'll never succeed. When you have a victory view, I know where I'm going. And though I fall, I shall arise. God, I missed it. Now listen, that's not the first time he heard that you missed it. Hello? I mean, before the foundation of the world, he knows what's going on. So you made a bad choice. Repent, receive forgiveness. Do not allow the enemy to bring up your past, whether it's one second or 15 years, because it's under the blood. It's been washed clean. It no longer exists. He uses it because you remember it. Does God remember it? Once you repent, what does he say? He remembers it no more. So when you fall down, when you make a step, when you say something you shouldn't have, when you spend an afternoon in the, in the pit, repent, get back out, and get back on your course. Don't stop. Don't stay in the roundabout. Take the, the, the exit you're supposed to go and keep moving. Take authority over th your thoughts. Don't let your thoughts rule you. You rule your thoughts. Words you speak take authority over your thoughts. So if you've got stuff going on, you say in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every rotten thought, every thought that's not planted by God. I, I, I curse you, I command you, get out of my mind. I, I put love in. I expect to think love thoughts. I choose love thoughts. I choose God thoughts. Whatever works for you to do it that way. Speak the word, Mark 11, 23 and 24. It says, you speak to the mountain. You command it to be removed and cast in the sea. And if you will not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. Listen to tapes and preaching daily. Keep a picture of yourself healed. Put it up where you can see it. Put it on the refrigerator. How many times do you go to the refrigerator today? Thank you, Jesus. That's me. I'm healed. Look at how much energy I have. Look at how much vigor I have. That's me. I call it forth. Every time you see the picture, talk to your body. Um, give God thanks before, during, and after. Even if you don't see anything working, when you plant a seed, what do you see working? How goofy would it be to plant a cord seed, wait to the next day and say, I don't see anything going on. Let me dig it up and see if anything's working. Nope, doesn't look like it. Put it back in. What's going to grow? But 
it's working. Know by faith that the seed you planted is working. You know, I want to say this. You cannot have water walking faith and have to see with your eyes the proof. Like Thomas. Poor Thomas. That's where we get doubting Thomas. I know he just had a moment. He was Jesus' disciple, so you know he'd do a lot. You know, I, I don't know that I want to be remembered, remembered in eternity for being doubting Thomas. Bless his heart. You've got to love him. He had a moment. We all have a moment. What if our moments were spread out for eternity? It's just a moment. But if you want water, walk in faith, you've got to energize yourself. Refuse to be moved by anything but the word of God and never give up. I got this, I got this picture of a pelican eating something or another. Maybe it's, maybe it's a frog, whatever. But the thing has got its fingers around the frog's neck. <laughs> And it's not going easy. It's not going. And I think about that when I say never give up. You find something deep down inside you and you just pick up and you keep on going. Now, number five is to arrive at your destination. Continue to give God thanks. Continue to give God thanks. Don't let go of your healing and testify. Testify what God has done in your life. I want to tell you a couple quick little things. When I was traveling last month and... Um, um, just doing just normal things. I was walking the dog. I come back from a, a dog walk and my brother-in-law was talking to somebody. He said, here's the woman that I was telling you about. She'll pray for you. So he had some things in his body that were not right. And, um, and I prayed for him. And I always tell people, I said, listen, I shut off the brain to hear what the, the, the God has to say. You don't literally shut it off, but I want to hear from God. I said, what I'm going to tell you, because God had already told me something. And I thought, oh, I don't want to say that, you know. And sometimes people, they receive at different levels. And so if somebody's telling you something and they're getting ready to pray for you and you trust them as a man of God, a woman of God, Listen, not with your head, but listen with your God thing. Because I told him something that, um, that God had told me. And you know what? That man, in, in, it wasn't even half a second, he repented. So I repent. Let me do this. And just, I think, oh, should we should be so quick with every attitude, every belief, everything that's going on that's anti-God. Repent. Get away, get away from it and receive from God. Well, I prayed for him. And um, it didn't seemingly look like there was any physical difference. So I saw, him the uh, I saw him two days later, and he told me, he said, well, the next day I was walking normal. Glory to God. So that thing in his body was gone. He saw the results the very next day. And that's, what, um, that's what's good. Another young lady, I prayed for her, and uh, she had back pain, uh, excruciating back pain. And um, it was intermittent, but it was always there, and sometimes it was just a lot worse and prayed for her, and her pain went away. And I was impressed of the Lord to tell her this. Listen, if the enemy tries to come back and tell you that it didn't work and you have back pain, blah, 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 I said, you need to take your faith, and you need to tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Can you do that? I don't tell that to everybody, but this particular person I was impressed to do. And she said, yeah, I can do that. Well, I saw this person a few days later, and we were talking about some stuff. I said, well, how are you doing? She said, I don't have any pain. She said, I even did things at work that I knew caused me great distress. She said, I did it just to see. She was completely pain-free. She said, but I'll tell you what. She said, it tried to come back. 
but I did exactly what you said to do, and I haven't been bothered with it again. So this is ordinary life. You know, another young lady came, and this same young lady brought a friend, called me up and said, will you do me a favor? I said, well, yeah, what can I do for you? She said, I have a friend who needs prayer. So this young lady came, and I'm thinking, okay, what's going on? Because I'm thinking, I, mm, what's go I, I'm not really, I don't really know what's going on. So I'm trying to pray for her, and I'm trying to tune my head off and listen with my spirit. And, um, and so I'm praying things. Usually I pray with my eyes closed so I can concentrate, but this time I open my eyes, and she said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So whatever God was saying went right to the heart and set her free. This is everyday life. God, I'm saying this because God is disposed to show favor. We don't have to be in a meeting to receive healing. We don't have to be in the meeting to see the miraculous. God is always able. God is always willing. He's looking for those that will receive. We're quick to receive. We're quick to see results. Sometimes it's instantaneous, like the woman with the issue of blood. And sometimes it's as you go. Don't let go of your faith when you believe that you receive. Hang on to it. You will see the manifestation of it. With that, I would like just, Linda, would you, do you mind giving us a testimony before we conclude out? Linda's got a wonderful testimony. Pardon me? I get a little crazy. Okay. Uh, it came to me one night as I was laying down in bed. I always pray a little before I go to sleep. And Father told me, Brother Copeland had said this was a year, a great year. If you could believe for it, you could have it. So I was looking up at heaven, really at the ceiling in my house, but that was heaven to me. I said, Father, this is not just a great year. This is my great year. So a few days or weeks later, my pastor, by the Spirit, told me, he said, you need to act like you're moving. So I knew what he meant there. He said, you need to, no, I, I repent. He said, put the past behind you first. That was the first thing. He said, act like you're moving and get involved with somebody who um, needs help meeting their needs or whatever. Well, I immediately called Joanne and told her what he had said. And I said, I'm having trouble because he said for me to put the past behind me. Now, I was married to the same man for 47 years. And I didn't want to put my husband behind me. He's been transitioned for nine years, and I was not ready to do that. Joanne very quickly told me, she said, Linda, Harv's in your future. He's not in your past. Well, that set me free. So anyway, I started taking junk down off my walls. I found a person who needed help. I got involved with her. And I'm looking forward when I get to heaven, and I'm not homesick. So, I mean, heaven's my home, but I'm not homesick. And seeing my husband or whatever. Anyway, I have my house. I put the for sale sign in the yard sold within four days in Memphis, and I have bought a house down here in South Haven. It's all supernatural, y'all. Every step I have taken has been supernatural. It, it would take me an hour to tell everything that Father has done, from bringing the right people to help me 
the right realtors, everything. It has been supernatural. And, and it had to come right now. I, two years ago, Joanne and I started when she sold her house in Midtown. I wanted to sell mine, but I could not see past that. Oh, I was in the land of, oh, no, that will never happen to me, you know? Well, now I am not in the land of, oh, no, anymore, and I have stepped over into the supernatural, and people, are, well, they're just racing to my door to help me, and it's all about the favor and the glory and the goodness of God. He, he has really manifested himself to me, and I thank all of y'all. I love you, and... Uh, even though I'm not a member of this church, you have welcomed me, and uh, it's all good. And God, he is disposed to show favor, and he has done that for me. And I'm very grateful. Isn't that a wonderful testimony? The land of oh no. The la I like that. Don't you like that? The land of oh no. We don't want to be in the land of oh no, we're healing or anything, any provision of God. Think about that when you go and you find yourself in a position you don't want to be and it's identified. This is the land of oh no. God said all things are possible to him that believeth. Glory to God. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.